Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. This episode will be the first in our 10 Things series where we sit down with a coach or former teacher and have a fun, relaxed conversation about Grapeseed. Our 10 Things are a set of 10 questions the conversation will be built around, but we will most certainly talk about many other things too. Our guest today is Miklos Fair, who you might have heard in some of our Open the Box podcasts. He is a former Grapeseed teacher and coach and is now a Grapeseed evangelist, spreading the good word of our program to schools and parents around Japan. Welcome back to the podcast, Miklos. I am. I am a former teacher and a former coach. I'm currently incarcerated. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I am, uh, I am an evangelist, a Grapeseed evangelist here in Japan. Great. So let's just get started. We'll jump right into the first question and then see where it goes from there. Excellent. All right. So number one here, what is your favorite material and why? In grapeseed, right? Yeah, in grapeseed. <laughs> I was yeah. like burlap. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I actually, um, sometimes people, because I've done the training a lot and I talk with people about grapeseed all the time, I have certain stories and other components that I, I go straight to to talk about, to use as examples. And I do... I uh, love the story, Betty Bird, but I have to say, this is going to be a complete shock to some people out there, but Betty Bird is not indeed my favorite grapeseed material. Maker. That's a shock to me. It is shocking, um, and, I'll, and, I'm, and I'm going to tell you why. I'm so glad you had me on this podcast today because so you can clear this, this is up finally the chance to clear the air on this all right. and uh, come clean about it. Lay um, it on us. Yeah. The, uh, well, first of all, it's impossible to answer this question because it depends on the type of component for me. Uh, for example, my favorite song is that kind of day. And if you don't know it, uh, go to Unit 20 right now on your app, uh, pause this podcast, <laughs> go to it, listen to it. Listen to it twice if you want, because it's really, it's one of the most lovely songs. Not just as an English grapeseed song, it's just a great song uh, as, a, as, a, as, as a song. In the genre of songs, it's a great <laughs> song. And uh, I love it because it the the idea behind it i mean there are learning objectives and and you know those kinds of things too for kids to like you know quote unquote learn english but um no i mean there are those important things of course too but uh but what it does like with everything in grapeseed from the very beginning and every lesson that we do we're not actually teaching english right like we're teaching other things and it happens to be in the form of comprehensible input in english so that kids can acquire it and with mm. this song it's it's about the idea that rainy days okay this is gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little bit emotional here because I, I i sing this song almost every morning with my with my boys at home um because uh, it reinforces the idea that rainy days and windy days are, and snowy days, uh, are just as joyous and reasons to be happy as sunny days. Because a lot of times in society, we have that, uh, that thing where it's like, oh, sunny days are good and rainy days are a bummer. But that's not true at all. I mean, maybe for some people it is, and that's totally cool if you think that way. But that's, that's why I love this song, because that's why I love Johnny Bear, um, you know, in, in the Unit 8 story about the, about the weather, uh, because he loves all the seasons. Because when it's, when it's sunny, you can go out and play. When it's rainy, you can stay inside and play. When it's snowing, you can get your sled. When it's when it's when it's raining, you can put a raincoat on and carry an umbrella. Um, we never have to be sad because it's raining. We have an opportunity just to do other things. Hmm. Um, so, uh, but so that's that's my that, that's about that song. So moving on to my next favorite. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. Like, a, well, no, I, this is this is uh, so uh, so. Let's say um, there's. 
I don't have a favorite chant and a favorite adjective. That's not like that. There's only there's one other thing. My favorite story is not Betty Bird. Um, I like the feeling that Betty Bird gives me when I when I'm reading it to students. Um, it reminds me of the first time I ever came here to to this place to where we are recording this now, which is Sendai, because I'm I, I come from a place that where, like in California in the U.S. where the seasons aren't as defined. Everything's always green. Actually, well, in California it's always brown, um, like uh, <laughs> Northern California. Uh, but um, Betty Bird, I just love that feeling of the seasons changing and talking about it with kids because kids are hyper aware of of those kinds of simple things and they love them and they remind me to love those things like leaves turning brown and falling down I forgot about it. when you get when you get to be like 30 35 now for me 40 years old like uh, <laughs> like uh, you you tend to forget to enjoy those things but when you read a story about the changing of the seasons to a child and they just their face lights up and you're just like oh yeah I need to remember those things to be a happier person so that's what that's what Betty Bird does for me um, and also like the feeling of seasons changing and also the world moving forward and not being afraid of cats climbing your tree like uh, because that's going to happen cats are going to climb your tree but don't worry about it we'll take care of it um my favorite story is actually the red hen okay um and why is that good question um here's the deal it's a parable but i and i'm not into those i'm not into that kind of thing like to be honest with you i'm not into parables um because um and, and, and I'm not saying, I mean, they're good. Parables are good. Uh, they're, they're good for kids to, to learn morals and stuff like that, which is great. And I, I grew up on those as well. But um, as, a, as a genre of story, I'm not really into it because and when, you, when you know you're reading or listening to a parable, you are basically, psychologically, you're forced to remove your suspension of disbelief so that you can focus on the, the, the moral message, right? Mm. Um, so you can't really, so you're, you're waiting for the message rather than really kind of getting involved in the story. Yeah, so the story is just the delivery conduit for the the moral message it's trying to give you, as opposed to letting you enjoy the story. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and uh, and granted, there are tons of uh, good parables. There's some bad ones too, but uh, uh, ones that you can't really enjoy. But the red hen is 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 a lovely parable because actually, it's a story because it's colorful, it's fun, it's funny. It's got it's got you know the 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 fat pig and the the pink sheep, and you can have fun with the voices and everything, and the the friendly cow. Who, by the way, the friendly cow. Please make the friendly cow's voice uh, a female when you read the story. So many times I see this deal with like, oh, uh, here's your milk. I'm just like, why would a male cow make milk? Anyway, focus in, focus in. It's a totally different uh, subject, but yes. So so it's a fun story with interesting characters, and and it just happens to have a moral, uh, like which is you know help, you know and ye shall be helped. Uh, or don't just help with the expectation that you'll get the pizza. Be nice and good things will happen. Maybe. We can't, oh, you know, we're, not, we're gonna, like, it's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have done unto you, right? And that's, that, that's just hum, human, that's, that's just human nature. Like, you do do that. Uh, you know, small children realize that, uh, hopefully. And uh, it's a good idea uh, to uh, reinforce uh, not just for kids, but for all of us adults to, to do that. But it comes in the form of a colorful, fun story. And um, But you can also pat yourself on the back for teaching kids. So yeah, if you don't help make the pizza, why would, the pizza. Yeah, why would you think you get to eat the pizza? Uh, and granted, the red hen, it's arguable whether she should just go ahead and let them eat the pizza and then just maybe guilt them afterwards. But... Uh, <laughs> um, but the other thing is, um, and if I may, I have a second entry for favorite song, and it's not actually from Grape Seed, it's from Little Seed, if that's okay to add it in. Okay, keep um, it quick. It's Cookbook. 
uh, from set four of Little Seed. I love that song. I'm addicted to it. And uh, it's just, it's fun to sing. It's a great way to practice uh, push and pull, like as, 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 uh, as language concepts. Um, my son and I, we sing it almost every day because he loves it too. Um, actually, he was watching the, the Little Seed uh, app on, you know, on, the, on the, the tablet the other day. And it, I was in the other room and he, it comes on and he just yells from the other room, Papa, your favorite! And I came in and it was cookbook. And we just push and pull and, and have a good time. And um, so anyway, those are my favorites. Great. Okay, we'll move from materials to <laughs> units. So what's your uh, favorite unit and why? Oh, this is a hard, hard question because all of the units have, you know, the... The, the highlights of every unit has like a you know unit 11 has there's a whole this is like um, the parent response of which is which which of your children is your favorite and it's like no all my children are my equally favorite that's right so this is you with your grapeseed units i know right they're all like if you had to choose it's like if you, it's like having 40 children like which one do you choose the um, some evil genius <laughs> gonna drop both of them at the same time and you had to save one which which unit would it be um it's unit five okay uh and and this is uh, I, tomorrow. I'll have a different answer, but for now, it's Unit Five, um, because this is where I think back to the very first time I ever taught it as well. Uh, unit Three was a close second too, I think. But uh, um, because for me, anyway, in my, in my experience of, of, of watching kids experience grapeseed, this is where kids start to really get the idea of of growing and growing up as one of the big themes in grapeseed. Uh, that's one of the big things that was starting from, well, like, well, explicitly from unit four, because there's a there's a vocab flashcard for it too for grow, um, but growing, and growing up is a huge theme in grapeseed, hmm. and it, it's not a coincidence I think that growing up is a huge theme in our students' lives. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that it's part of grapeseed is not just ingenious, but it's so powerful, and it makes me feel kind of nostalgic for being. You know, for for growing up, because now I'm now that I'm in my middle ages, middle aged, uh, I'm growing down, right? Um, uh, I'm shrinking and uh, and slowly dying. <laughs> but uh, um, no, like uh, kids, uh, kids. I, it's one of those things you can I can unify when you when you um, sing that song. That well, it's a story slash song. The one that makes the moms cry on open house day. Everybody, everybody grows, grows, right? Everybody like everybody knows uh, that everybody grows. Yeah, but then you get the you get the smart alecky kid who's just like Mr. Miklos, no grow, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, now I grow too, just to kind of put it inside. I'm going like, he's right. <laughs> and uh, but the first time I ever taught Unit Five was the first time I ever realized that I wasn't actually quote unquote teaching English, like mm. in the previous curriculums that I used where we were teaching. Um, you know, sentence contrived sentence patterns and things like that, and you know, filling in words just to to learn memorizing conversations and stuff like that, and, and like I don't know, memorizing practicing. Oh, today we'll practice being at the supermarket. You know, and these are the phrases that you use, and um, that kind of English teaching. Yeah. Teaching like, junior high school, I had a lot of that too. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, th- there's a part of it. It's just it's kind of just as a teacher, and, and not as a teacher, but as a person who cares about your students, it, it kind of eats away at your soul to do that. Mm. Um, because it's not really that fun, and then and kids don't actually learn anything from that. But with this, I, mean, I remember going like, I realized, this it was in Unit 5, the first time I ever taught Unit 5, was when I realized that we're teaching, for the first time in my whole life as a teacher, up until that point I taught for a long time other things, um, other, other English programs and other subjects um, for kids, and I was teaching something way more important and it just um 
it, but what I was teaching them, but growing up and being nice and, and um, help your mother, things like that, um, it just happened to be in English and just happened to be comprehensible input in English. Mm. So I was teaching, that's when I realized I was teaching life skills to kids. Not, not life skills like, you know, like how to, how to, how to do your family how to budget. Change the oil in your car. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> which, which should be taught as a boy in English if you can. That's um, like Unit 35. Yeah, Unit 35 will talk about like, uh, how to, you know, how to uh, spark plugs and. Yeah, yeah. change the wiper fluid. Uh, <laughs> no one should pay for that, uh, Jiffy Lube or whatever. But uh, um, like, tell your things like this is, this is what we're teaching. This is what, I realized, that, that what I'm teaching actually is tell your family and friends that you love them every day. Be nice to everybody, even people that you don't know. Help your mother. Say please and thank you. And that, for me, teaching English changed from teaching about the language and teaching greetings and how to say your name and you know oh and you know teaching kids oh say your first name first and then your last name uh, you know uh, in in grapeseed kids are acquiring English while learning about much more important things and. Uh, I'm going to use this. I use this metaphor all the time. I used it uh, pre-show today when we were talking about um, how when I was a little kid that my mom used to mix in. I didn't like to eat lima beans, and um, uh, to a certain extent, I still don't. Um, but, um, but she would mix them in with the, mashed, with the mashed potatoes, which I love. And uh, But this is sort of like the, the lima beans being mixed in with the ma mashed potatoes. Like, you have these... These kind of things, like if you sit kids down and, and, and say to them, like, hey, you know, uh, you know, be nice, help your mother, they'll kind of go, oh, yeah, old man, okay, great. But if you, if you put it in the form of these really fun and colorful songs and stories, like the wa watermelon, uh, wa watermelon on the ground, like, what a lovely song. Like, that's the other thing I love about Unit 5, is the kind of, the feeling of it, the, 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 the musical arrangements, there's a little bit of banjo in there. I love country music, so it's um, uh, not that twangy stuff. I like, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, like good country music. Um, right, podcast is over. You're off. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but like, uh, so it makes me want to, um, like, Unit 5 makes me want to eat corn on the cob. It makes me want to wear flannel. Um, <laughs> it makes me want to eat pumpkin pie. And it makes me remember that, that what we're teaching isn't really English per se. It's something more important than that. Great. So... Let's change gears a little bit from just general topics to something a little bit more specific. So, what's something cool that you've seen in the classroom recently? Oh, man, you asked the right question at the right time because we're in the season here where uh, classes are getting started again, and I got the opportunity to uh, see... Um, I, I visited a school that just started Grapeseed for the first time ever, hmm. and I got to see this teacher. Uh, he's a veteran teacher. He's been teaching English for... 20 years uh, here in Japan, and um, I got to see his very first two grapeseed lessons ever. And uh, he, 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 he was ready. He was still kind of, um, he's a veteran teacher, but he, had, he was nervous. One, because people were watching. <laughs> people had video cameras. Um, this is a totally new thing for him teaching for all of you out there, whether you, especially if you're a veteran teacher and uh, teaching language, uh, in different kinds of ways, not in a language acquisition classroom setting, uh, teaching grapeseed for the first time is um, it's a little bit nerve-wracking, and it's clunky. You had that you, experience too, right? Oh, totally. Like, mm. I didn't know what to do. Like, I was like, mm. is, this, is this what we're supposed to, is this how it's supposed to look, feel and sound? And 
like the kids I was used to just having kids repeat after me and things like that and like they would be one of the one of the the, the, the gimmicks of selling an English program a lot of times is like oh kids will start speaking English on the very first day and um, that's a gimmick of course and with grapeseed that, that doesn't happen kids um, they probably won't speak on the first day they probably won't speak on the second day either they won't speak until they have something to say and that's a powerful thing because that's how you speak that's how you should speak anyway uh, unless you're me I speak whenever you don't have anything to say but um like uh, <laughs> but 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 this new teacher he had that same feeling I was I was kind of going like oh man he he was just kind of feeling his way through it he'd been practicing he'd actually even took uh, videos of himself practicing uh, before to kind of get ready and sell and send some self-reflection to the the coach here in Japan and um, but even with that even with even with a with uh, numerous videos they took of himself practicing by himself in his own living room uh, and then sending it to the coach and then sending himself reflections and getting advice he was still felt really nervous and kind of kind of clumsy on the first the first lesson I saw two lessons uh, the first one was kind of like okay here we go and uh, the second one was was just um, he he found his stride right away uh, mm. he's like okay okay I think I think I, it was like, like 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 when a kid starts to ride a bicycle like when they first, it's like wobbly 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 but once they get going they're gone, like mm. off into the horizon. And the, here's the, here are the cool things. Number one, the principal, the vice principal, and some other teachers from the school, the kindergarten, they were there for the lesson. Oh, wow. As, yeah, they were taking videos and pictures, and um, they, were there to, uh, to, to, they were there to be morally supportive of the teacher. Wow. They weren't there to like, they, they didn't just go, oh, English is over there. We don't know. We, oh, uh, we don't we understand English. They just go in there, do English, and then come back. They were like, no, this, we're all part of this. This mm. is... This is um, yeah, there was a buildup before the first lessons. The school created like a buzz leading up to the start of grapeseed class that something big was going to happen, like Christmas or something. Like um, <laughs> that, that was the feeling that, that you got when you, because all the kids and the parents were just like, oh, "Today is the day!" Um, and the teacher started the class. And this is this is this is my, this is the coolest part of the whole thing. Um, this is something that I wish I had done or known, figured out before I started teaching crazy myself. Which was, um, he like the like the, the kids showed up, like they um, they came to the classroom door where the, the English room is, and um, like outside the classroom, the the principal, the vice principal, the teachers, they they they, they told the kids, okay, boys, they told them in in Japanese in their native language, like okay, it's time for grape seed time. This is the bit. This is it. All the kids are like, yay! And uh, um, they told the kids. Um, so, um, they didn't really talk about English so much. They just said, "Okay, this is this is a new special class. Okay, this is grapeseed time." And uh, they said, "So, so the teacher, I'm, I won't say his name here, but uh, just in case he doesn't want that." But um, they said, uh, "So you might not understand everything that the teacher is going to say to you at the beginning." Okay, so but this is for their affective filter, right? To keep that to keep that joy up because mm. it could be scary at first some of, the, some of the kids probably heard from their parents oh it's going to be English time and the kids are like English oh, oh I heard my parents talking about that what is that And but they told the kids don't worry if you don't understand what the teacher is saying the whole time it's okay how powerful mm. is that like, wow. like uh, because that with the moment you especially for, for little kids who don't get what's going on if, if there's someone's talking and they don't get it I've seen kids cry mm. uh, like they're just like I don't understand this is scary but and then that effective filter goes up and language acquisition goes away. Yeah. Uh, they just told the kids, you know what? If you just listen, just listen. They didn't say they didn't say things like no Japanese or what you know, like or like no whatever language country you're in. Mm. Uh, no Russian or no Korean, wherever you are. They didn't say things like that. They said, no, no. Um, 
Just listen and try to follow along, and the more you listen, the more you'll understand. And guess what? The more they understand, the more they'll start to speak English themselves because mm. that's how that's because they'll be acquiring it rather than having this negative reinforcement. Um, so basically, so um, and he he uh, the, the 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 coolness goes on because uh, the teacher started the class. The kids come in and they sat on the floor. He didn't use chairs at the beginning. They started on the floor to be super comfy. It was really fun, and um, he didn't say. You know, a lot of times you see the very first class and the, the teacher's kind of nervous and they kind of go, so they kind of just like snap back to their usual kind of thing that they do. It's like, hi, boys and girls. Um, the, the teacher's name's not Roger, but I'll just call him Roger. They're like, my name is Roger. Can you say that? Roger. Say my name. Roger. And then all the kids kind of go, what is this? And it's really boring. And then they go, okay, let's say I'll say your names. And it takes like 20 minutes and they all go, okay, my name is this and my name is that. And all the kids are falling asleep. No, he didn't do that. The kids came in and sat down. He showed them a picture of a monkey on the vocab and he started singing Ten Little Monkeys like he was Liza Minnelli on Broadway. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, he, he sold it. He was, he was in, he, he got into it just like, his boys and girls sit down. He didn't waste time with trying to like, you know, teach them his name. Well, he, he said his name was Roger. Um, well, his, his, that was his, his alias is Roger. But um, <laughs> he said, he's like, hi boys and girls. And they all know him anyway because he's, he's a fixture at the school. But um, yeah, hey boys, it's me. It's it's Mr. Roger. Okay, are you ready? Monkey, 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 monkey. Um, one little, two little. He just died, and the kids were engaged from the first ten seconds. Mm. And and um, that was that was last week. And I haven't checked it back in with him yet. Um, hopefully it's still going okay. But uh, if he keeps going the way that it's going, that's how you start. And that was the coolest thing I've seen in a long time because sometimes the, the start is clumsy. Kids go, eh. They go home, hey, how was your first day of grapeseed class? Oh, I was okay. I don't want to go back because it was boring probably. But the, this Rogers class was on the very first day. The kids, they didn't care about not understanding. All they cared was about singing songs and having fun and being with their teacher and their friends. And that's what grapeseed class is. That's cool. Inspirational. Anyway, yeah. Shout, uh, other out, than that, shout out to no. Roger. <laughs> Roger, yes. I uh, want to. On, on top of that, I know depending on what country you're in or what state or whatever, like this is something that's totally okay in Japan. The kids all come in. When they came in and when they left, he gave all the kids hugs. And that is something else I love too. I know that in some places uh, you might not be able to do that, uh, but I love the fact that we can do that here because it's wonderful. The kids come in and leave with a feeling of, yes, I feel the joy and the love, and that's what Grapesy class is. Mm. Great. So you talked about this class that just started Grapeseed, mm -hmm. but in your experience, what's your favorite extra time activity to get kids using language from the materials once they kind of have some under their belt? Yeah, that is, this is a hard one too because there's so many. And sometimes you think of them on the fly, like a, a kid mm. will say something and you'd be like, wait a second, that's good. Like uh, so many of my best ideas came from a, from a student who said something and and the the light bulb went on. I was like, oh, we we should do that. I mean, not at the expense of of weight of you know um, of efficiency and and and, and getting everything and pacing, but uh, but socking it away, making a memo and going, okay, I gotta remember that. But that kid said it's good. We're gonna next time we have some extra time, we're gonna follow up on that. Um, but one thing that came to mind immediately was um, uh, uh, the 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 classic game of bored children all over the planet 20 questions <laughs> um you can 
you know, and uh, most everybody probably knows how to play 20 questions. You can only ask yes or no questions. You only get 20 yes or no questions, and you have to guess the thing that the, the leader of the game is thinking of. Um, and some of you probably have already done this, but I, I like doing it where, um, and there's different places in Grapeseed where you can potentially play this. Um, the one that comes to mind immediately is in Unit 5, there's that chant, yes, I am. You know, what are you? Are you a banana? No, I'm not. I am not. I'm a bean or whatever, you know. Um, so, uh, if you have a little extra time. And I like to do this, particularly these kinds of ex quote-unquote extra time activities to get kids um, kind of really bring out the um, the extra spontane spontaneous output. I like to isolate these and use them especially on open house days because open house day when moms and dads and come to see your lesson, that's when you get to show off what your kids can do. Uh, what you've been doing every day. So uh, this is where I try to place these uh, these extra time activities. But um, and make sure to only do it when you have extra time. Don't don't do extra time activities when you don't have extra time. But um, I like to. So what I do is um, when the kids get good at at, at the chant and at, at um, the uh, kind of answering, you know, yes, yes, I am, and no, I'm not, uh, kind of, and even asking the questions too. Um, I, I I get a I, I get a vocab flashcard anywhere from units one through five. Preferably not in Unit Five, because because uh, the kids will go like, oh, okay, it's a uh, it's a uh, bean again. Um, it'll be something like um, you know, it's something from like Unit Two. It'll be like a sweater or something, right? And uh, uh, it could be yeah, again, anything a bear, fish, but I'll do sweater this time. So the kids have to they can they can just raise their hands. Actually, it's even fun. You can have them raise their hands. They can spontaneously ask a question. But uh, but I, I make sure to keep count. They only get 20 questions. And I mark it on the board. And so we can count, too. Oh, that's one. That's two. Even though they're not really responsible curriculum-wise for numbers past 10 yet. But it's fine. You can just, you know, they don't yeah, have to. It's good. It's still a review of the language. So. Yeah, exactly. You're just, you're just, you're just talking naturally. Um, you're not making them say it. Um, but so I, I count out 20 questions. And uh, they almost always get it. Because, because they, they start to get how to um kids are so smart they they figure out the strategy way faster than i do and they go okay is it so kids will say because and they, they know they know all the words to play this game uh so you're like are you and they'll, they'll ask it are you because that's in the chant uh but later uh when they learn other language they can say is it uh whatever but so you just say okay are you uh are you an animal and i'll go no a good question i praise them for every single question because mm. um, that praise is it, it it percolates into confidence and motivation because uh, what's the point of what you're doing your point is not it doesn't really matter in the end if kids get the right answer or not of course exactly. they feel better if they do but the the goal is the game is a conduit for getting kids to output naturally because yeah. they're so focused on trying to get the right answer yeah so whether they get the right answer or not is not really the goal doesn't matter the goal is wow, you had a bunch of individuals coming up with questions on their own to ask their teacher using language that they know from this unit and previous units. Yes. Excellent. And on open house day, man, those moms just go nuts for that game. They walk out going, Mr. Miklos, you are the best guy ever because they because their kids can speak English because they saw it. They saw their kids speak English. Yeah. If you see Miklos, if Miklos comes to your school, you can tell him he's the greatest guy ever too. Yes. I have a, I have a teacher that says that anyway to remind myself anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> Okay, shifting gear again here, uh, gears again here. Um, so the professional development section of the portal where mm -hmm. teachers can access all different kinds of videos. There's a whole ton of stuff up there. 
what videos do you recommend most to teachers? If you could recommend just one or two things, mm. what are the videos that you'd say, wow, these are the real best ones that I think are on the portal the teacher should go check out? Definitely um, the Little Seed demo for Opera Octopus. Oh, that's, what's that's, that was that in? <laughs> that's in set uh, six, I believe. Uh, Yes. Yeah, set, full set, disclosure, set Mikolos is the trainer example for all Little Seed sets three to mm -hmm. eight. So you can go check out Opera Octopus because it's very it's very good. Yeah. You get full Mikolos in that full in that example. Opera high octave singing. Um, yes. That's actually a joke, everybody. Uh, that's my version of humor. Um, actually the uh, the I it's hard to say, but there's a section that I recommend, and all the videos the in course. it. The course, yeah. Yes, the uh, the grapeseed platforms and philosophies. Mm. Um, this is something that I watch weekly. Um, sometimes just one or two videos. Sometimes just the whole thing. If I have like a if I have a good uh, if I have a long lunch break or I'm sitting on a on a train somewhere and I have Wi-Fi. Um, uh, the reason for that is because. All, everything in there is based on the most current research and uh, theories in language acquisition. And uh, it's fascinating. Uh, not because it's all based on research, and, uh, but because uh, everything is explained in relation to teaching grapeseed. So it's all, uh, it's immediately uh, applicable to our teaching. So they'll, they'll talk about uh, something like um, uh, affective filter, which is which is a language acquisition, which is part of language acquisition theory, and then immediately apply it to to your teaching, whatever you're teaching today. If it's uh, little seed, if it's unit one, if it's unit twenty five, you can use everything in those videos to and apply it to your teaching right now. Spiral curriculum, scope and sequence, um, easy to easy to digest. If you've ever read that book by Stephen Hawking, the um, the uh, the one about the uh, his first one. Um, uh, now I can't remember the title, but he's, he basically explains astrophysics in a way that I can understand, which is crazy because I studied theater in college. Um, <laughs> so I watch the videos myself regularly because my job is to explain and talk about these things with parents, which is really hard because unlike teachers who are kind of predisposed to understanding things and they're interested in functions and notions and affective filters, parents have no idea what you're speaking Swahili to them. Um, so I have to understand these things to the point where I can explain it to parents. One parent might be, um, you know, a doctor, a dentist, an orthodontist, and they had there's like language acquisition, what is that? Uh, all they know is that they had a terrible experience learning English in junior high school themselves. Um, so, uh, and parents have very deep-rooted ideas about English education, and it those ideas couldn't be more opposite from what we're doing. So understanding these things is essential to me, um, and uh, just to explain to parents, as a teacher, it's uh, it, it's everything that is in it's the it's the engine of your teaching. Like when you're driving a car, you don't think about you know uh, spark plugs, you know, and, and and cylinders going oh you know back and forth like a you know four thousand times a minute, um, but it's happening. And yeah. this is the engine of your teaching. When you're when you're out there singing, uh, hello, how are you? How are you? Um, there are hundreds of different components at work that are making your kids have a good time acquiring English and knowing all those things makes you a better teacher. Yeah. But, yeah. A couple things to add on to that when you're thinking about this, because a lot of teachers in their initial training, whether it's foundation training or something else, they they get exposed to a lot of these concepts at the very beginning of training. Yeah. And while it's really helpful to know that stuff, it can be really hard to process it because it's very abstract. 
So yeah. once you actually get into the classroom and you see how things work, then going back like Miklos is recommending and watching these grapeseed platforms and philosophies videos, once you started teaching, it'll make so much more sense and you'll be like, wow, okay, now I understand that, now I understand that, now I understand that a lot better than I did before. Um, also, yeah, they are definitely designed to be, they're, they're short videos, they're understandable, for just about anybody. Um, so big shout out to Matthew on that one because oh, yeah. Matthew really They're easy to understand. Yeah. And they're they're really big concepts. They're difficult concepts to understand, but the way they're explained in those videos makes it very accessible to anybody. Yeah. So they're helpful for you as a teacher to help guide your own teaching, but they're also helpful for you to know as a teacher when you're getting asked questions by parents or maybe even other staff at your school of okay, why is this, why do we do this again? Why, why is this a thing? And you can say, oh yeah, well, because of this and this and this, and you can explain it to them a lot more easily. Yeah, it gives you that confidence to explain it too because uh, like, there, everything in Grapeseed is there for a reason. Hmm. And if you know what the reason is, not only does it make you more confident as a teacher, but you can answer those really hard questions from, especially from parents, because they want to know. Like, why, why do you do it like this? Why is the class only in English? Why do you sing songs? Why do you go to the carpet for stories? All these things. They, there's a reason for everything, and they they go back to all these philosophies and um, and uh, and platforms that the grape cedar is built on. Great. So let's get off our soapbox here. Yeah. And let's uh, let's go to let's something to uh, to embarrass you a little bit here, Mikolos. Nice. So what is one mistake you've made teaching that stands out to you? I've never made a mistake. That's um. that's that's not true. That's just patently false. Coming I've seen you. I've seen you teach. I've seen you teach, sir. Oh yes, <laughs> this, yes, that's right. This that's is right. A, it's a patently false statement. Uh, uh, if actually, if you go onto the the platform and watch some of those uh, model videos, you can see a few mistakes. They're hard to see, but uh, <laughs> I know they're there. Look at that! Look at that pride. Um, if, if actually behind the scenes, if we go behind the curtain to see the the actual Wizard of Oz here, right. Miklos is one of the most humble people you'll ever meet. So this is it's a lot of uh, yeah yeah. This I, is I like to flaunt behavior. Yeah. <laughs> flaunt your humility. Okay, yeah. Actually, Hit us with a mistake. What I what I actually jotted down uh, was just one because yeah, there's a mistake daily and uh, like uh, like like with acquiring language, teaching language. Is, uh, fu- is fraught with error. Mm. Uh, hope not not like not dangerous error. Just like oh man, I could have done that better. Um, and what I always the joke I always use, and I probably used it in a previous podcast, which is um, uh, we are we're not air traffic controllers. Yeah, like uh, we we have the luxury of being able to to be able to do it better the next time. Uh, that's we grow along with our students. So, um, but the thing that comes to mind. Um, the first thing that comes to mind right now is, um, and it's something I see teachers do a lot. Uh, and I, and I'm sure if if I was in the classroom daily uh, again right now, I would I would still probably make the same error occasionally. Even if you're even if you're consciously aware of it, there are certain errors that you will um, unfortunately make sometimes. And um, there are different versions of this error, but it's it's probably the most grave error I can think of. Okay, um, hit us with it. It is um, asking a- asking a student a question. An individual student, um, and then they can't answer it, and then going, okay, how about you? And have that other kid answer it. Mm. Um, I didn't even realize I had been doing this, and I didn't realize what it was that I was doing um, uh, for years. 
Mm. Uh, it was only when I started teaching grapeseed that it came into play because uh, just because of the way the, the, the lessons and the class is set up. But uh, what when you ask a question, so for example, like you're in the classroom and you're like, hey, um, if you choose to go, hey, uh, hey, Timmy, um, uh, you know, uh, what, what, what is this? Is this a banana? And he's silent. And you go, okay. Well, how about you, Chris? Is this a banana? And he goes, yes, it's a banana. Well, now Timmy feels pretty bad about himself, and that's your fault as the teacher. Um, and uh, you're eroding their confidence and their motivation, and the, actually the entire class feels weird and the morale goes down because you've basically let the entire class know that Timmy uh, either didn't know the answer or he doesn't have the skill or confidence or whatever it is. He couldn't answer the question, but Chris did. And uh, again, kind of going back to the, what you were talking about earlier about the, about the game, 20 questions, answering the question if you're if you're asking a question, um, like getting the quote unquote right answer, uh, is not the goal of, of asking questions. Um, helping students construct meaning is well. That's one of many uh, goals there, of course. But uh, like speaking, is not the only indicator of uh, an evidence of acquiring language. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what I should have done, and all those times I made this grave error, which one. Always uh, default to, if you're going to err on one side, err on asking questions to the entire class. Mm -hmm. Let everybody be able to, to, to listen to the question, uh, think about an answer. Whether they can say it or not, verbally, it doesn't matter. If they're thinking about it, if they don't know, like, was that a banana? I forgot what a banana is. Maybe they're thinking about that. Maybe they have gas and they just don't feel like talking. Uh, you don't know. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, what I should have done in that case that one case is uh, I should have first asked the entire class, hey, boys and girls, this is a banana. That way everyone has a chance to participate and form an answer mm -hmm. in their mind. Maybe even spontaneously say something, which of course is welcome. Um, uh, and then if, uh, if I decide to either choose, uh, if nobody answers or if I decide to choose an individual to, to back up what the entire class is thinking and saying, I should have given an answer, uh, given a sample answer, uh, model, modeled the answer. Uh, by choosing to let the student fail, to answer the question, um, and then choosing another student to succeed at answering it, I just, I let the class know that the emphasis and my, what makes me happy is verbal output. That's my mark of approval. And that's not a good thing. Mm. V verbal output is good. Uh, it's, 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 it's the, what do you call it? It's the sizzle on a steak, right? Uh, but, um, but, but that's not, um, that's not the goal. It's, it's, it's one indicator uh, of course, parents want to see parents and school administrators. They they want to see the verbal output. Uh, we all do, of course, but we can't force it, and we for sure can't make kids feel bad if they can't say something one day. Maybe they say, maybe you picked on Timmy because usually he talks a lot, but this morning his mom yelled at him because he uh, spilled milk on the floor or something, and uh, now he doesn't feel like talking. Now you made him feel even worse um, when there was no reason to do that. Mm. Um, like if. Uh, well, either way, um, if you make them feel like, um, if you make kids, if you, if you give them the, this feeling or understanding that what makes you happy is verbal output, they will feel this pressure to always quote unquote perform by giving you an answer verbally, whether they have something genuine to say or not. Mm. And um, kids should speak when they have something to say, uh, not when we put them on the spot. Unless, you know, I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for everything. Like, uh, um, but 
if we do that, if we if we go, if we if we ask questions for the purpose of getting a you know a, a, an answer, a correct answer, a f even or if worse, a forced answer, then their utterance will not be authentic, and it'll just be forced and sad. So that's my mistake, and um, please don't make that. Yeah, I like that idea, like modeling an answer for them, asking the class at large, or sometimes even if you do decide to ask a particular student because you think they can do it and they're not able to do it at that time, then you need to rush to build the scaffold for them yourself to help yeah. them succeed, to provide the structure necessary. So maybe it can be modeling like Mikolos mentioned, or it can be you start to build the sentence for them and allow them to finish the sentence and then you praise them for it like they actually made the sentence on their own. Either way, exactly. you're getting across the 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 output that you wanted even if the student didn't build it all themselves you're saving their affective filter you're saving their confidence but you're still getting the correct modeled sentence out and all the students are able to hear it and the other students don't feel like yeah. timmy failed yeah yeah so there's a lot of things you can do there but yeah it can be really tricky calling on a student asking him something and then that dead silence knowing what to do but those are some really simple things just in that conversation that you can take back and apply to your own lesson yeah so miklos we're gonna need to keep this one short here oh but boy what are some meaningful decorations teachers can add to their classroom so give me yeah. one give me one really impactful one um i can't <laughs> actually um uh, well, it's not one particular like kind of decoration, but it's it's my it's my decorating um, philosophy. Philosophy, yeah. It's uh, one is when teaching grapes, you decorate your room uh, uh, according to the unit you're teaching. Mm. Um, before you start teaching, before you start the unit, if you're teaching multiple units, you know you you know use your creativity. You can do it. Um, look through the lesson plans and look through the manual, the quick checks, and decide what atmosphere you want to create for this unit. Like uh, unit, unit 11 is one a great example of it's the ocean. There's yeah. ocean theme stuff. Um, and there's, uh, but also in unit 11, there's a lot of talk about where things are, like pre prepositional phrases and stuff like that. Again, I mean, there's prepositional phrases in, in almost every unit. Um, but uh, but in you know there's that there's that chant in unit 11 about you know under the waterfall and above the waterfall you know and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, have stuff decorating your classroom that kids can talk about to be able to use that kind of language mm. from the learning objectives and the quick checks. If, you, if there's nothing to see except um, if you're just kind of winging it every day and going like, oh, you have a pencil above your ear and you just go, oh, hey, what's, uh, where's the pencil under the chair again? Because you didn't plan anything or decorate your classroom. That's boring. Kids just go, oh, they, they don't want to be there anymore and that raises their affective filter again. Um, have stuff on the walls that kids can talk about and, uh, and use like in, in, in the case of Unit 11, like words and phrases from that chant, you know, like above and under, and even like in Unit 2, that's another great example of, of uh, another decorating, uh, another decorating kind of um, uh, directive would be uh, like for mother who lives in a boot. Again, prepositional phrases is as a as a big goal there, and have stuff on the walls and around the classroom so that kids can look around and use phrases naturally. Like oh, and they're going to say things at their level of Unit 2. They're going to say. So they know they know what a bear is. They know what a box is, right? Thanks to Unit One. So the uh, hey boys and girls, uh, where's that bear? And they'll go um, uh, in the box. You know, bear in box or bear in the box or snake out of box or make your decorations interesting too. Boring stuff is boring. Um, <laughs> the motivation to communicate and learn 
comes when like stuff is interesting for kids. Like it should be exciting. Hide things in your classroom. This is a decoration. Uh, hide stuff so that kids can discover them. Make your decorations about discovery. Like in Unit 4, you sing the Beehive song. Hide a bee somewhere every day, you sing that song, and go, hey, where is the bee? Where is the bee? And let kids look for it. We, um, of course, keeping control of your class. Um, don't let it become a zoo. But um, um, discovery is what kids live for every day. Your decorations should enhance discovery. And to that end, rearrange your decorations daily if possible. Like uh, if kids come in every day and they, there's something different, there's something for them to discover. When you do that Unit 3 story, uh, Our Day at School, it's about looking for things and finding them. Like, what's different today? Where where are the crayons? Oh, yesterday they were there. Where are they today? Oh, that's weird. Now they're over there. Um, and if you teach multiple units again, be creative. If you're teaching Unit 1 in the morning and Unit 2 and then 5 and then 17, you're going to have to, you know, be a little more proactive. And if you don't use... If you don't have your own classroom and you have to like kind of you know bring stuff into a classroom again, you're going to have to be even more creative than that. Um, and I don't have the answers to that, but uh, that's why being a teacher is is it's an art. Like you're you're like a, you're you're a cross between a magician, uh, you know Leonardo da Vinci, um, and. Uh, and like Tommy Tune, like you're just up there doing a show. Like oh, that's a terrible, uh, outdated reference. Uh, I was Hugh, say, uh, Hugh wow. Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Uh, you, you're like you sing, you dance, you do action movies, you 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 decorate classrooms, you cut paper, you you're you're uh, you're everything. You're a sculptor, a painter, a singer, a dancer, um, and you have to do all this uh, in order so that kids don't see the tricks up your sleeve. They mm. they but they're they're going to make their own discoveries. Love that. Let's continue in the artistry vein here. Yeah. So, the master artist. Tell me an aha or light bulb moment you've seen in the classroom <laughs> where a student really made the connection between the language and the materials and using it naturally. Oh, yeah. There's so many. The, the first ones that come to mind are like uh, the, the, the older kids who are, uh, for better or worse, started Grapesy a little late. Um, so, they, they, they come to, uh, they start making up their own because they get real smart alecky. Uh, and they, they start making up their own uh, parody songs based on grapeseed <laughs> songs. So I've had every like uh, one that comes to mind was um, uh, it was like a it was like a third grader. We were singing the white song from, from Unit Seven, and um, oh no no shiver shiver burr because um, uh, he was super smart. He was making connections. He's starting to use language in funny funny ways. Basically making parody. He made a parody song uh, from Shiver Shiver Burr right in front of me because he was just like, Miklos, Mr. Miklos, I like you. I like this song, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm smart, so I'm going to go ahead and say something really funny to make all the kids laugh in the class. And uh, in the song, it goes, oh, Shiver Shiver Burr. But um, he uh, decided, and if you don't know, in, in Japan, uh, there's a, a dish called Shabu Shabu. Um, it's uh, basically, it's like pork that you dip in soup and eat it. It's really good. Um, he uh, started singing uh, oh, Shabu Shabu Burp. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's uh, those kinds of things that happen. There's lots of lots of parody songs that kids make up once they master it, really. like. Uh, but um, a better example even would be in Unit 3. The first time I ever, this is probably the first time I ever taught Unit 3. Uh, there's that song, Colors Everywhere, um, where, uh, you know, uh, we're singing this song. We're, we're almost to the end of the unit. Uh, this, is, this is like, this is, this is almost 10 years ago. And, um, the, I'll never forget it because uh, the kids are singing. They're going like, "I see colors everywhere," and we then we do the activity where we say, "Hey, what color is this? What color is that?" And the kids are saying, "Oh, the snake is whatever, and the, the toy is orange," and then um, 
And then we afterwards we sing it one more time before we move on to the next thing. We go, I see colors everywhere. And then right when the song ends, and I'm uh, looking to see how much time I have left and grabbing my next thing, I'm trying to keep the space in between you know, the, the components at a minimum, uh, this one little boy just turns... Um, uh, the boy next to him, uh, we didn't use English names back then, uh, so he just turns, the little boy next to him is named uh, Shota, and uh, he just turns and he goes, I see Shota's underwear, and uh, I still laugh about that to this day, because he he had a light bulb moment where he was, uh, he not only did he make a connection with, in the language, he had something to express that was not only true, you could see Shota's underwear, that's the thing. Um, and uh, <laughs> and like, it rhymed uh, with the original yes, song. and he made up, he was just like, this guy, he's, uh, it, was, it was amazing. Uh, he's out there somewhere writing parody songs right now, but, but he said, I see Shota's underwear, based on the song, I see colors everywhere. Um, and uh, on a similar one, it wasn't a song, it was a story. It was a boy who uh, came up to me after class, a really shy boy who would never talk during class. Um, but we were, uh, it was unit two, and I was, this doesn't usually happen this early on in the, you know, in the curriculum journey, uh, but it did. This boy um, never talked during class, but all the kids are leaving, and he goes to the back of the line so he can be the last out, so he can, you know, get ready to say something to me. And, uh, as they're all shuffling out, this little boy comes to me. He goes, he goes, Mr. And of course, you have to know the story, too big, too small. He goes up to me and he goes, Mr. Miklos, really like whispering voice, right? He goes, you have nice underwear, <laughs> but I cannot wear it. <laughs> Your bottom is too big. And he runs out of the room laughing hysterically. <laughs> um, a lot of underwear and bottom stuff that comes out because kids find it really funny. There's nothing funnier than underwear when you're you know, you six two, years old. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I so. mean, whether you're unit two or you're... 40-something years old like you? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you know, like, passing gas, underwear, so that stuff will never not be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to segue from that into the next one. Um, but the the best grapeseed teacher that you've ever seen, besides yourself. Obviously. Underwear man. Um, <laughs> what made them so great? Well... Yeah, yeah, this is hard. All, all these questions are hard. You should call you should call this ten difficult things. That's the name of this podcast. That's not the name of the story in Unit yeah. Two, though. Oh, that's right. That's right. It should be. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> that's in Unit Forty. Um, <laughs> the uh, I like. Uh, well, actually, when when I when I, when I uh, hear this question, the first thing I think of is um, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, and uh, the the quote is attributed to him, but I don't think it. I don't, he probably didn't think of it himself. I don't think he taught grapeseed. No, no, he didn't. Um, a little bit before, before crazy time. <laughs> but he loved a good underwear joke. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, the some of you might already have, know. Like it's, it's this quote it is. He says, um, "In my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that I learn from him." So to that end, this is how I try to be. Um, I don't know. I try. I try. Uh, <laughs> As much as I can, because it's it's hard sometimes. Because you're as a human being, but uh, I I believe that every teacher I meet is my superior because I learn from them. Uh, that doesn't mean that every every teacher is better than me. Uh, it's all really relative, right? Like uh, every, we all have different experience, we all have different expertise and ideas. The moment that I start thinking I'm superior because I'm a trainer or a coach or an evangelist, well, actually, evangelism doesn't make me superior. But um, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but 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 the, the idea that he's I'm joking, everybody, he's joking, <laughs> he's absolutely joking. It doesn't come across the, uh, in the podcast. Yeah, that it's uh, not Nicholas and how he the, actually um, thinks. The uh, like like the moment I start thinking that I'm better or superior because I'm a trainer or a coach or whatever it is like that's the moment that I'm automatically lower because I've essentially because when you say I'm better than you that you like just you're not um okay 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 
Yeah, we we, we, so, we, we get your philosophical stand yes. here. To that so end, though, yeah, who's uh, the best? I, teacher? I see teachers all the time, and they're all amazing to me. But um, but I will say that this is a this is hard because I meet I get in my line of work I get to meet so many amazing people and teachers. There's one guy that stands out right now for me today, and that is uh, I won't say his name either, um, even though it's in my notes here. I just want to make sure I'm picturing his face because a super nice guy, very dedicated teacher. Um, well, obviously you got to be dedicated to be good at something, I guess. Um, but uh, uh, he, um, I've never seen him not like knock it out of the park. Like he, he's and the reason he's he's always prepared. I can't imagine him not being prepared. His his key is his strength is his preparation. It's it's meticulous, but it's not overwrought. Like it's not like uh, he spends two hours to prepare for a forty minute lesson. That would not be effective or, or or good time management. He's ready mentally and physically. His room is decorated like we talked about before. He has his material set up so in the areas where he's going to teach him practical stuff like that. He doesn't force output. Uh, but kids talk in his class. Kids in his class talk because he doesn't. The less you've he, he this guy, he, uh, I'll call him Roger too. It's another a different Roger. Um, <laughs> uh, he gets the fact that the less you force, the more kids actually talk. The more you, um, uh, the more you try to force kids to speak, it's it. The less that the, the more they clam up, and they're just like, I don't want to do that. Like he just he puts interesting things and interesting ideas in front of them. He makes the input comprehensible, and kids respond to it naturally and with excitement. Um, there's um, I happen to see him teach in front of a uh, bunch of parents recently. I was there. Um, doing a, an evangelizing meeting for parents. I was, I was talking about Gravesy with parents. So it was an open house day, and I saw him teaching, at an, uh, teaching an open house lesson. So the, the room is packed with parents who want to see, you know, the class. They want to see their kids speak English. They want to see if they're getting their money's worth. But he doesn't let that get to him. Um, maybe he feels pressure and stuff, you know, on open house day, a lot of us as teachers do. But, uh, and there's that temptation to put on a show but he doesn't do it. He lets the kids just show off what they can do naturally. He avoids this by being ready, in his preparation. Um, specifically, he knows that his kids are going to speak if they have a low affective filter. And when parents are there especially, the affective filter is kind of all over the place, um, depending on the students and everything. And uh, he also knows that kids will talk if they have something to say. So he sets them up with things to talk about, interesting things that they're interested in. Of course, it's all, it's all in line with the lesson plans in the curriculum, but he, uh, he, he sets it up so that kids go, so they respond. Or they don't. If they don't respond in a particular moment, he doesn't care. He just he doesn't, he doesn't like let the moment linger and try to force, wait until someone gives him an answer just so he can like get some output to show parents that he's doing his job. Um, he doesn't get nervous when parents or me or the principal's watching because he does it every day. He sets, he's little by little, he's building, he's, he's building his kids up every day. And um, uh, he knows that uh, that comprehensible input is the key. He gets it. He keeps it simple. And the kids respond to it naturally, spontaneously, every day. It's, it's amazing to watch. I love watching his classes. The pacing is always... Uh, I mean, it's not too fast, not too slow. Um, he, if he sweats, it's not because he's nervous. It's because he's, he's working. He's, he's, um, 
yeah, I uh, if you if you want to go with me to visit this guy's class and then go because he's 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 fantastic. You better tell him to listen to this podcast. He probably so he, he probably will. Yeah, and he, he's probably sitting there right now going like, "Hey, that's me." <laughs> so, uh, or maybe him and ten other teachers are thinking, "Great, he's talking about me right now." You know what? I hope so because that's that would that would be good. That that would mean that like that uh, that uh, or if you're listening, is going like, oh. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, uh, well, you know, then we, we'll, uh, we can... Next time Miklos is on, maybe you can be the the, the, the best teacher he's ever seen. Yeah. Self-reflect a little bit, improve yeah. what you're doing. There you go. Okay, last. <laughs> last but not last least. Last question. I know, Miklos oh, is boy. talking forever. Oh, man. Which is par for the course. Um, uh. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you want to give to a veteran grapeseed teacher? A veteran grapeseed teacher. Um... Yeah. So not a new teacher, a veteran great. Maybe a teacher who's been teaching a couple years. They've they've got a couple units down. They really think that they've mastered everything that there is to grapeseed. What advice would you give somebody like that? Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't really like. It's weird. I don't really like giving advice. <laughs> but uh, however, how about give some good news then, Mr. Evangelist? Oh, in that case, yes. Well, one thing is like. When someone says, and I don't know, it takes a really, it takes a real blowhardy person to say, ah, I got this down, like uh, especially in teaching, because if if you really get teaching, I think that you know that you'll never master it, like uh, you know what I mean? It's it's something that you're, you, you know, you're never gonna be perfect at. It's it's always gonna be trial and error. Every day is, you know, you, there's effective and not effective on any given day. But there's never. But if you just go at one point in your life, uh, like me, uh, if I were to say, you know what, I mastered it. I'm good. Uh, that's. Uh, I, I would just say. I would just. My advice would be. Uh, uh, let that. Let that go. Um, every day is. Every day is practice. Every day is getting better. Um, every day is. Um, self-reflection actually this is this is what I would say um, something really practical and this is probably something a veteran teacher is, is probably doing this in some form or another anyway but um take 10 minutes every day and self-reflect on your teaching and this is not this is this is like you hear this a lot self-reflection you know take 10 minutes a day and just reflect on your teaching or whatever it is that you do if, you're, if you know if, if, you, if you're a welder take re- reflect on your welding for 10 minutes a day like um but the way to do this this is how i do it and this is where and this is not me saying uh, i'm so amazing because i do this it's me saying i um am i am struggling to get better at this very difficult profession all the time by doing this and even i do this now as an evangelist i'm not I teach, I'm not teaching kids. I talk to parents, but I still do the same thing. Take video of yourself. Film your daily lessons. I film my parent presentations that I do for parents. And uh, you know, if you if you film two hours of your lesson times per day, uh, watch watch seven minutes of it. That's all you need. You don't have to watch the whole thing unless you have tons of extra time, which you probably don't because you're a teacher. Um, but we live in the age of smartphones. There's no reason why we can't have a video of every class every day. Mm. Um, there's no reason. The only reason is that I didn't feel like it. I'm lazy. Uh, I don't. I don't feel comfortable watching video. I don't feel comfortable watching video of myself. That is a terrible thing to say, um, because if you don't feel comfortable watching yourself teach, then you don't feel comfortable with self-reflection. Self-reflection is 
in itself, whether you watch a video or just think about yourself, you're looking at yourself, either mentally or physically. So if you don't feel comfortable with that, you shouldn't be a teacher. Um, but if you're a veteran, then you already figured that out, so you're fine. Um, so you don't have to pour over hours and hours of video every week. Well, take a few minutes, take a random few minutes, or go back to that one point where you know, you know something happened, you want to see that. Um, and, ref and just think about it, look at it and go, huh, how would I do that differently? How do I, how do, I do that next time? Oh, what did that boy say again? Oh, that's interesting, I didn't catch that. Um, no one is gonna coach you better than yourself. And I discovered this by accident many years ago when I, um, I got my first smartphone, I don't know, like 10 or 12 years ago, when I first came out. I uh, got my first smartphone, I decided to just, I was gonna uh, take a quick video and send, because you know, um, my, my family in America doesn't get to see what I do. So I was like, this is my chance. I'll take a quick video of one of my classes and I'll send it to my family and they can enjoy what I do. So before I sent it, I, 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 and I, never, I never did this before. I never took a video of myself, of at least especially that teaching, like doing what I do at work at the school. So uh, before I sent it, I watched it. And, and it was like a thunderbolt moment in my life. Like um, I, I was like, what? That's what I... I mean, I knew what I look inside like because I'm an awkward person. Um, <laughs> but I was like, that's what I look like when I'm teaching? That's And so I immediately just started, I became addicted to it. I don't like the sound of my own voice. I don't like the way that I uh, look, which is weird because I have extremely high self-confidence. Um, but uh, I, I started just being addicted to looking at what I was doing because I wanted to get really, I wanted to be, be better at it because... These are the questions that I ask myself. This is what this is part of my advice too. Is look at your lessons. Look at what you do, whether on video or just think about it, and just ask yourself: Would I pay money for my class? Hmm. Like, would I pay money for this? And think about how much money your parent, the parents of your kids, are paying for your class. So depending on the school you work at, sometimes it's it, it, it varies across countries and well, schools. Yeah. Um, but find if you don't know how much parents are paying, find out. And then think about it: Is it worth? Is what I'm doing worth it? Make what you're doing more. Make it more valuable than what they're paying. Um, and then ask yourself, when my kids, when my students grow up, what are they going to remember about their experience with me? Um, hopefully they won't remember it under, under hypnosis. Um, but like, uh, like, are they going to have good memories? I have good memories. I'm like, again, I'm middle-aged. I still remember my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Lively, back in Memphis, Tennessee. She looked just like Diane Keaton. And um, I have pictures of her. I don't remember, I don't remember the daily... Uh, activities and stuff. I remember my pretend birthday because my birthday's in July, so we had to have a pretend birthday in you know September for all the kids who had summer birthdays. But I, I don't remember. I remember the feeling I had. I remember I loved my teacher, and uh, and I still do. Like so, think about that. When your kids grow up, are they going to remember you? Are they going to remember this experience? What feeling is going to be evoked when they think about going to your grapeseed class when they're married and have kids of their own? or if they become a teacher? Are you setting them up for success by giving them the chance to develop English skills? Or are you just filling up time until the bell rings? Oof. Other than that, I have nothing to say on the matter. <laughs> Heavy stuff. And you might hear that and think, ah, well, it's it's a big hassle to get all your, your smartphone out or any other recording equipment out every day, but I can vouch that Mikolos really practices what he preaches here um we used to do foundation <laughs> trainings together my and, tripod yeah Nicholas would set up a tripod every time and record the entire day of training um he would then take pictures throughout the training and make like a little montage at the end for teachers <laughs> that's right there was so Nicholas is always always into self-reflection and one more thing i want to say about self-reflection before we wrap up here is that if you do that self-reflection time after if you start with that 10 minutes that miklos talked about the more you do it and make it an activity 
the more you start to build the skill of in the moment self-reflection. So as you're teaching, you can start thinking, okay, is it time to move on yet? Is it time to do this? What, how can I change the question? The more you self-reflect after the lesson and take that time to really think things through, you'll slowly start to notice that you're building the instantaneous self-reflection during your lesson, which can also be really powerful. Because you can, if you're asking a question to Timmy, for example, mm-hmm. and there's that dead silence that we were talking about before. Poor Timmy. Yeah, poor Timmy. If you notice that dead silence and you made a mistake, you can quickly change course and do something else instead of letting that dead silence linger and making Timmy feel worse. Yeah, exactly. So reflect, self-reflect, take some time and build that skill of in the moment self-reflection and that'll really help guide your teaching as well. Absolutely. But yeah, I think we've uh, we've hit all these questions and we are over an hour, Miklos. So, I've got some questions for you, sir. <laughs> uh, that, that will have to be a separate podcast. Excellent, so, part two coming soon. Yeah, someday. Um, So we're going to wrap it up for now. Um, So thank you again for joining the podcast, Miklos. Thank you, sir. It was great. It Uh, was. As always, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Hey, everyone. Do you have a question about grapeseed that you would like answered on this podcast? We will do some occasional mail carrier episodes where we answer your questions. So feel free to write in. You can email the show at mailcarrier at grapeseed.com. M-A-I-L-C-A-R-R-I-E-R at grapeseed.com. Keep in mind that we may not be able to answer everyone's questions on the podcast, but if you leave your contact info, including your country, we will make sure to get back to you, whether it is on the podcast or in a follow-up email. We look forward to hearing from you. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye It was a good day But now I will say Goodbye my friends Goodbye Goodbye everyone